I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they used to bowl a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. You're pinning words all like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Well, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what? Let's keep it Wakanda, y'all. No, let's keep it... Black Panther's Black, Quest. Black Panther's Quest, yeah. Which comes on two weeks. Two weeks. Today. Two weeks from today. What day? Twenty third. 23rd. Okay, September 23rd. All right, awesome. Yep. <clears throat> so y'all know how we're doing on the Rant Room On this show we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that So today, Lisa Bolakaja is out We got my man sitting in, in the house with us Baby writer himself, Jasani Drew What's, What's up? up, John? It's Jasani, how you doing? I'm doing great I actually had a really good morning mm-hmm. I decided to help a friend Wake up early, help friends mm-hmm. Come in on the bus <laughs> Transit works Just so everyone knows There's rumor that The bus system is horrible <laughs> If you plan ahead plan It'll be ahead. great Okay yeah. Did you take the subway at all? Or? Yeah I took the subway There's a red line near me But I took the bus All the bus today We mm-hmm. bus down the mountain Okay Into Hollywood Okay Which <laughs> <laughs> is not scary at all No you're right You're absolutely right If you plan it If you plan it And you, and, and, and you got a plan for like Maybe being 10 minutes late So Push everything back right. You'll be fine right. Yeah You'll be fine I always plan it 30 minutes ahead I, I aim to be here 30 minutes ahead so You're always on time Yeah So far I've, I've, I've seen that about you You've been pretty good mm-hmm. Of course you did have The little mishap <laughs> He said he went to the bus And the bus was <laughs> <laughs> I decided to get coffee And then I watched the bus Go away So I'm from New so York So you had to walk Yeah For a long time <laughs> I like to walk It's a New York thing Came in here just breathing hard <laughs> Sweating Listen, and shit Things happen okay? Uh, things you have happen. to run Things do happen <laughs> Things do happen Yeah So we got my man in the house Chris Derrick From the writing directing team The Derrick Brothers What's up Chris? Good stuff Yeah Good stuff You yes. guys had a good shoot and a good, good We had show a great shoot night? We had a really really <clears throat> good shoot You know We were at the Scrum Show show The last mm-hmm. two nights With Pam um, Really really Interesting guy's life mm-hmm. Really just, just, just a lot about his, his performance quality You know It's like I've always loved live theater Like live mm-hmm. theater Has this Electricity to it That right. the, <clears throat> the, That these other arts Don't have it's kind of the reason why I love being a director because it's like being the live theater for one. That's your only audience. That's why I love it. But seeing this guy get up do his show, um, Stacy McLean, you know who directed mm-hmm. it. I've known her for twenty years. Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. And, and when she walked in, I was like, I knew this was you because mm-hmm. you were talking to me about this show like a while ago. Oh, okay. And we were talking, and she was just saying you was busy doing this thing, and mm-hmm. I was like, Where have you been? I've seen her. She's like, she bounced back and forth through um, here in Germany. Her oh, okay. cousin, her first cousin, is a is a soul singer in Germany. 
um, how, she's writing a book about her. She's on the defense of her draft. It's kind of like that woman, you know. Remember Sharon Jones before she yeah, died? Yeah, yeah. So the sure. story's similar to loved that. Loved her. Yes. Yeah. So um, it, was, it, was, it was a good time. Very good time. I loved it. Um, and shout out, shout out to Sherry Shepard too. The Sherry other Shepherd, producer. Yes, who produced it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was. It was we good. don't have her on the show. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Nice. Yeah. That's what's up. Cool. Y'all ready? Yeah. Well, oh, let's, yeah. Let's go ahead and get into the show. So today. <laughs> Uh, since we have Jasani here, Chris, you, you thought it'd be really cool. Let's talk about a little craft today. Let's get it in. Yeah. So what you got yeah. for us? Well, <clears throat> a couple things. Um, I, it's the thing about, this is something that's interesting about screenplay writing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like craft technique you have to kind of really master to be good. Right. To, to and, and to be good means not to not basically on a certain level not to bore people. Yes. But what I don't think is talked about a lot, and I've never seen this like really in anybody's book because mm-hmm. it's because it's kind of subjective. Sure. But it's like, how do you suck me into your world? Mm-hmm. What are you doing on the page to bring me in so that I'm in your? Space, because mm-hmm. I don't page one, page one, right? Because mm. I don't care what you're writing. Everything is like this is you know basically your God, and I'm and I'm and you're creating this new world. So I always feel that the first sentence has to set up your stylistic abilities mm-hmm. of what you're writing about. Mm-hmm. If you and if it's if that's a little hard to do, then at least the first paragraph, the first action block, two like two to three sentences, mm. you know, like set me the mood, set me the tone, set me where you are, so that you know all of a sudden I'm not in Kansas anymore. Right. I'm in a world that is like whatever it is, you know. Because I was mm-hmm. just, you know, we were talking about Blade, mm-hmm. you know, and the Blade screenplay. Just, mm-hmm. you know, I think there was links in the show some a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Just look at the first two, two? sentences. <laughs> two sentences. Right. You know, I mean, the other day, you know, I'll, I'll just post them out real quick. The other mm-hmm. day, I was looking at um, The Matrix. Look mm, at the movie. Really good show, I was looking right? at the movie, I and I was thinking, <laughs> what are these guys doing on the page? Because... Jesus Christ, like, you know, they just do so much cool-ass shit. Mm-hmm. And it says, um, okay, and this one says, it says, fade in on computer screen, so close it has no boundaries. Mm-hmm. A blinding cursor pulses in the electric darkness like a heart coursing with phosphorus light, burning beneath the derma of neon black glass. Damn. That's the first. You're going to keep reading. You're like, okay, shit, I'm in. Right. I'm in. And, right. I'm just, and then, honestly... You're just looking at a computer screen. Right. Yeah. It's just going bleep. Yeah. Bleep. It's just a computer right. screen. I right. do have a question about sure, sure. that. Um, it was poetic, too. It right? was. Yes. Right. And mm. being the baby writer, mm. right now, no one knows me. So when I do things like put in contests and other things, no one wants to see poetic. No, they do yeah. want to see poetic. They it's do. How clever you It's do. how clever you are True. and it's how little because right. that was very little language. Right. Okay. You know, so it, was like a, it was like a paragraph and a half or so. It wasn't that long. It was, it was it. actually, it's like it just it was one, it was one sentence. That was one just sentence. one okay. sentence. See, the thing, that's the trick about it. The trick is 
people be writing like five like or six the, like five paragraphs five, of to all the that poetic shit. You know, that's that's that, the problem. That's the mistake. That's the mistake. Mm-hmm. See, there was an, like you know, we mentioned in the show notes before because Jeff was talking about that nobody knows nothing. That book by William Goldman. Mm-hmm. Called Adventures in the Screen Trade. Wow. In, in his other book, which is the sequel to that, called "Which Lie Did I Tell?" Mm-hmm. Notes are also in the, screen, in the, in the show notes. Um, he mentions that screenwriting, the, the 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 action stuff, is true poetry. I agree because poetry in prose is a little different than poetry when you're writing poems because mm-hmm. they think because when you're writing a, a poem. He, he's, I, I, I remember him saying this. He was like, "You're compressing so many ideas visually into like as little words as possible, right. and that's where the <clears throat> trick becomes because that, that's where your true artistry comes in. It's like, how do I use ten words to paint this massive, or even mm-hmm. eight words to paint this massive scope of what you're trying to see, as opposed to using eight paragraphs? Because mm-hmm. I'm doing that, it might be beautifully written, mm-hmm. but then the reader's like, "Motherfucker, I haven't, I haven't gone anywhere." <laughs> Right and half a page, right. and you go everywhere and have a page. And there's and there's and there's an art to. I always think it should. You should do two things. One, you start very visually, which is what the, which is what they did. You're looking at a blank screen with a cursor just blinking, mm-hmm. right? But how do you describe? Every that? one of us would have described that differently, uh-huh. right? Yes. He they decided to, to take the poetic, beautiful, yeah. let me grab you without any movement. Right. right. Because I like to usually start on movement, you know, fade in. You know, the, you hear somebody huffing, the feet, you know, like running through the through the pavement, whatever, and you realize it was something simple. I'm tricking you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always got like a little uh, twist on what right. you thought it was. You know what I mean? Like it's darkness. You hear somebody huffing or whatever the fuck, just to realize it's him and his girl running through the weeds. What you, you thought it was? A, so, you thought it was a scary movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It's about. I don't want to say tricking the audience, but it's about grabbing the audience so they go, "Wow, this person really. Oh, they got me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Was oh, cute. I'm in. Or whatever I'm, the fuck I'm, it is. I'm fucking in. And it's right. like okay, curiosity is my favorite. Thing. Um, because. You know, Billy Wilder, my, one of my favorite screenwriters, uh, if you, and if you don't know him, listeners, you need to know him. <laughs> they um, should quit right now. <laughs> yeah, quit if you don't know him. You know, he used to write, uh, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. his training for screenwriting is he used to write for newspapers. And they always used to say, his editor would say to him, grab him by the throat mm-hmm. in the first paragraph yeah. and squeeze. Mm. I was like, yeah. So that's Sounds kind of dangerous. the whole. And so that's that's your page one, <laughs> right? You know, um, and then I'm saying, okay, so you got me on page one. I mean, that's that's the thing about the Matrix. That the Matrix, they're creating this computer world, and they need to bring you in in a way that is different. And, it and it's fe- setting the and, tone. And it's setting the tone. Totally. Yeah, the tone is like, oh, what's this fucking movie going to be about? Right. You know, it's interesting because you. This is my whole thing. It's like. You go through 10 pages mm-hmm. and you meet Trinity, you meet the agents, you meet this fight. The fight is written, that first scene where she's fighting them in the room is written in a way that you go, okay, she just might be a martial artist. You don't mm-hmm. know, I mean, you don't know until they filmed that, they're going to do all that bullet time shit. Right, right. But the thing is, is that um, there's a couple of scenes, you, you might think that when you read it, you don't know because you've never seen it, but the way it's written, you're into it. But it's like, 
they don't even mention the concept of what is the matrix until it's, it's so cool. At the bottom of page 10, uh-huh. the computer screen is typing out to Neo when he wakes up first mm-hmm. time. All this happened at the beginning. He wakes up and is pulling out from the screen. And is, and he's like, where the hell am I? <clears throat> the screen starts typing, what is the matrix? Hmm. And it's typing out like letter by letter. And he's trying to like make the computer work. And the final line mm-hmm. on the bottom of page 10 is, and if it, we pull back and see that the person who's controlling his computer wrote, what is the matrix? Right. And you're like, fuck, now this is what the movie's trying to tell you was about. Because it's, he's like, what the hell is going on? Who took over my computer? And, end of the first sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. And it's dope. But uh-huh. you still don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You never know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? And there's a really, really live line around like page 27 where um, Morpheus says I cannot tell you what the matrix is I have to show it to you mm. or something along those lines right, right. And he, he's like people don't believe it unless they see it right. and I'm like this is so lot I mean <laughs> I love this movie and I've read the script a lot but you know there's always scripts you can go back and read because they just like because other people would have been expository. Well, the Matrix is uh, blah, or, blah, 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 or blah, something, blah, blah. or someone right. explained what it is, or or, or 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 like, or they would have gone the other way and like not give it enough. Like, there's a great way of creating this, this anticipation of you better fucking tell me what the Matrix is. <laughs> I need to right. fucking know. We're almost at the end of Act One. Well, we don't know we yet. Don't know right. yet. You know. And right. then it's like that scene with the pills, mm-hmm. and it, it was cool. And the script is. This is the thing that's interesting. He 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 mentions the pills first. The red pill and the blue pill. And he starts talking about what they are, mm-hmm. and then the next time he describes it before before Neo takes the pills, he says the pills reflecting in Morpheus's sunglasses. And then he mm. take. And I was like, yeah, that's that shot of the movie. That's the exact shot of the movie. And I was like, this these motherfuckers knew what the fuck mm-hmm. they were doing. And a, and it's a cool way because he's breaking he's breaking up Morpheus's long speech about if you take the blue pill, this happens. Take the red pill, this happens by giving you this 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 uh, that that action line inter, like 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 interjection mm-hmm. that's. Visual and poetic, right. and when he and when he takes the pill, it's just like it's just dope. It's you know, it's dope. It's dope. It is. I love the Wachowskis. They're literally every time I go on an interview, mm-hmm. they're part of my interview, and I tell them that's my goal. <laughs> like if I get to change the world, like they change the world, like whatever they put in a movie ends up becoming part of reality right. with Anonymous and V for Vendetta and the Matrix and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of questions Please ask. about. That, um, first of all, a lot of books I'm reading, I s- either they're about features or about novels, right. but I ideally want to write for TV. How, I feel like when you watch it, when you're doing a feature, you can like play with stuff like that because you have so much time to tell the story, but in a pilot, you have to, you have 60 pages, you have to get so much across so mm-hmm. fast and so few pages, um, that I get scared to be a little too stylized and too see, see, like okay, I, I, okay you know okay so you know I'm I'm fin- I finished up a pilot and I was talking with someone the other day whose wife is going out with something with something last week and they were saying don't go over fifty nine pages unless you're doing like a, like a, a serious cable thing and I was like that's interesting. Um, but I had just read the Blacklist pilot before I sat down with him. I did, okay. I just did too. Now the Blacklist pilot. We were just talking about it last night. So right? good, yeah. But there's a lot of. So there's a, there's a, I mean, that opening page when you know that, that you meet Reddington and right. he comes in and yeah. it's like he walks in and it's like you know and and the way the way it takes you through 
through DC the way he's like looking at it it's like oh this is my mm-hmm. home and get the mm-hmm. ceiling he walks into the FBI and he's like and there he is on the wall number four right. I mean it's poetic in those opening pages too right. it sets the tone in those in those opening two pages and it's full the, of curiosity full of curiosity who is this, who is this guy right. he yeah. walk, I mean that scene where he comes into the to the um it's actually it's it's the thing that you said too. Mm. It starts off and you hear this noise, 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 and it says, and 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 these are the noise that we know are about U.S. customs. Mm. And mm-hmm. then it comes back, you know, it's a black, and then it, and we fade, and then we, then we fade into customs, and we meet red, and he's got this smile on his face, and the guy says, "So where you been?" He goes, "Oh, I've been like in Singapore for business. Now I'm home." And mm. you're like, "Okay, number one, people don't say where they're from." When they talk to the to the guy, you know, mm. they say was this business or pleasure, mm-hmm. you know, and they just say business or pleasure. They don't mm. explain where that business was, That's true. and yeah. you're like, okay, he's letting you know something where because it could be because he could be coming from anywhere. He could be coming from Berlin, you know, Europe, yeah. just mm-hmm. vacation, where the fuck. But it's very specific. And those two opening pages, and and also the rest of that pilot. There's so many great like like the 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 style the stylistic poetry tone moments of yeah. that script has a lot to do with how um, Elizabeth Keene feels and all the act breaks too. Like like mm-hmm. like like at each act out and it ends on her. Like the great moment, you know, the part where she when she goes underneath at the end and she's just scrubbing the blood and yeah. all of a sudden she finds the the, 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 the hidden box break. and that's mm-hmm. the end of the act break and you're like and it's like the, the language in that paragraph before it cuts out is like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. And he really <clears throat> He described what's going on in her head in a way that the actress understands how she has to convey something visually in her face, in her right. body. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what great acting, great, great acting is behavior. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not dialogue. It's behavior and 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 actors, particularly in television, because it goes so fast and they don't have time to kind of like define that on set, you know? It's like if you can put that on the page, it helps them understand what you're going for. And it helps everybody. And it, yeah, it, does help everybody. It, it helps the entire crew. It yeah. helps it helps them understand what the box should look like. It helps them understand, you know what I mean? All that stuff is in there. What I was going to say was, I think one of the things you have to learn when you're really studying your craft and the more you, that's why I always say, for me, you could read all the books in the world you want. You could, you could, you could watch all the movies in the world. If you're not reading the scripts to see how it's executed, to me, that's where you really grow. For me, right? Well, yeah. that's, a, that's as, a, as a writer, as a screenplay writer, it, right? yeah. But but that's what everybody tells you on all those key creative right. crafts: directors, writers, actors. You got to look at the scripts because you know there's so much there that they did. The economy of it, like we were talking, I think it's late last year, or maybe mm-hmm. whenever it was. You know, there's like there's the, this it, like if you look at the the script for Arrival, mm-hmm. and there's like shout out to Eric, yeah, and and <laughs> yes, and, and it's like the, the the single line description that he describes what the, he said he was gonna come back on the show. I okay. ran into him the other day. Okay, oh yeah, um, like I like it's, it's a single line of description. I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, when he first is explaining what. There. Where are we in the script for you? When you this when is you, like maybe thirty. Okay. This is the scene when when Amy Adams and them first go and see them. You know, like they're writing to them, and right. they, and they put the ink on the they put that black yeah, ink on the, the thing. Looks, the, I mean, like 
you know, like they're trying to talk on that glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way he describes that yeah. sentence, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's something like I can't remember what it is, but it's like you know, it's it's like oil, and it's 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 so beautiful. Yeah, and it's just one sentence, and you're like, fuck, dude. Mm. Fuck dude, and it's cool yeah, because, exactly. because yeah. it, it, you deserve an Oscar. Yeah, bitch. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And what's dope is that is is that like as a director, I'm reading this and I'm like, wow. If I read that line, I'm gonna call up the production designer and the visual effects guy immediately and say, right. what the fuck are we doing here? Mm-hmm. On that one sentence, you know what? This has to what we do visually has to surpass what he wrote on the right. page. And I'm calling you right now because I don't even know what that's gonna be yet. <laughs> Yeah. But that's dope shit. So we got to right. do that, right. and that's again. But you got to know how to do it com- compact. Mm-hmm. That's where the William Goldman thing comes in. It's like poetry and everything like that. I mean, it's like you know, like in the last year and a half, I've really uh, changed up how I've been writing mm-hmm. and cr- like this this poetry, the, the 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 aesthetics of writing, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that. You know, I mention this a lot. Is that is that magazine or that quarterly called the Paris Review, right? Mm-hmm. And what got me onto it was I knew about it, and it's expensive. It's like twenty dollars to, uh, to get it, like like every every issue. So it's it's pr- kind of prohibitive for people to get. But on Twitter, you follow them; they reprint or they put links to all these things called the art of fiction interviews mm-hmm. and of all, and it, this has been and they've been doing this since the mid 50s so there's like hundreds of interviews of all these people and you just go and you read them and they'll and they'll talk about their craft or what they do from like these amazing writers from like you know from from like Eddie Wiesel and James Baldwin and Edward Welty and Ernest Hemingway and they're having a candid conversation about what their craft is and you're like oh and they're always talking about like Finding the right word, finding the right turn of a word, mm-hmm. and it's so specific to. And this is like these are novelists who who don't have any boundary with page count with anything, right. but they're still letting you know that I have to slave labor over every sentence to make you enjoy every sentence that you read. Yeah. And there's there's a few interviews with some screenwriters in there too, but like older people, like like a. William Hellman and mm-hmm. some, uh, you know, Stephen King, Stephen King, stuff like, yeah, some some older people. Like they, they haven't done that a lot. They might do that now. There's a new editor, but um, it's interesting because then you say to yourself, that is where the writing becomes where it doesn't. It, it, you say you, I bring this up because you were saying you're reading books about novels or screenwriting yeah. differences. It's because it's all about like how do you just get your big idea. Into as few words as possible, on and it's and, and to be clear, the biggest mm-hmm. thing that, that I was talking about that everyone is is always arguing against the fight. I was bumped. That's it. I was right? bumped, right. and these guys are talking about be clear. How do you be clear? Like what is in my head mm-hmm. that didn't rake it on the page mm-hmm. because I had to cut down and you know was this is great thing that like Eli Wiesel said or I don't know if I'm saying his name right. The guy who wrote Night, the the Holocaust novel, he was like. If you look at a novel that's like 300 pages, that's like 800 pages that's been distilled down to 300 True. pages. Mm-hmm. And same thing with screenplays, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you know, you do, I was telling you, Billy Ray, the thing with um, Captain Phillips, he has 12 drafts of that printed out. Yeah. So that's like, so that's what, 12 times 120? <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a lot right. of pages. That's like 12,000 pages. 
squeezed down or 1200 pages squeezed down to the final 120 mm-hmm. and it's like honing and it's like the sculpture and it's mm-hmm. like that's where or 110 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know I mean that's what it is and it's hard that's the hardest part about it yeah. it's not the idea because everyone's got an idea yeah. Everyone has 20 ideas. It's the execution of the yeah. ideas. And I always, I always tell the story of, 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 of Lance Black when he was writing Milk. <clears throat> I'll never forget, you know, we used to always sit at the coffee shop across from each other. And he, he's told this story to many people. This isn't just my own story. <clears throat> but I was like, well, you know, why are you writing Milk? There's like two or three other scripts. And he was like, yeah, but... And he was so confident. He's like, nobody's going to write it the way I'm going to do it. Like, it was just so like... Nonchalant, humble, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't care what they're doing. Goals. And and, it, mm-hmm. and he said, You gotta be first. And I was like, God damn. <laughs> but but what it did was it that's what made me go and write my Sylvester script. I was like, okay, you know, I hear other people are still talking the, all these years still hasn't come out. So I'm like, mine's gotta be first. Mine just has to be on the page, you know what I mean? To grab them. So so where I'm going with that is your job, like you said, is to you got to just fucking execute the fuck out of it and be the best one. Yeah. And be first. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, 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 that's what I told a friend this morning when I was helping my friend. He was, um, he's writing his own script because mm-hmm. he's taking a shot at He's an actor. And he was, um, we were talking about how to make it like original because he was like, I just wanted me to be original. I wanted to be good. Um, and how I talked to him is how I'm learning. So what I told him was... Don't focus on good. Don't focus on original. Focus on the story you want to tell. And because I've, again, I'm repeating what I've always heard, but focus on what you want to tell and your version and your vision of it. Because in what I'm writing right now, I have a script I've been writing. It's the third time literally reconstructing it, deconstructing it, and doing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's funny that we're talking about this because this is exactly what. I am more hung up on and I've been um, reading scripts Alpha your advice Hilliard mm-hmm. and, and watching I'm going to say this hold on keep your thought I'm going to say this if you're a young <laughs> writer and you're not reading at least two scripts a week you suspect to me I'm sorry you should <laughs> you're think super about how suspect many, how many scripts did you, we have to I mean, read look Chris? you're super suspect I mean look I've been <laughs> to make two scripts like seven times me? but I was reading again the other night because I was like I'm, because I'm writing something that I want to be as original as that movie, and mm-hmm. and the concept that I have, the under like the like the the quest they're mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. is very unique, is very original. But to be able to get it, the audience and everyone has to feel like I I can't be right. blo- I can't I can't come so original. From page one, because, right. the, because, the, because this, that's alienating. And this is a really good conversation. We were talking about this last night. A lot of writers get caught up in, I want to be so original that they don't want to read or see anything else that's going to influence them. You need to know what the fuck they've done so you don't be like, oh, I came up with this great idea. You're like, no, bitch, they had that in another movie. You know what I mean? You need to be aware so that you can make it even better or switch it or change it or be inspired by it. We, you know? Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's like there's a guy that I, like who's in my writer's group, and he always gets angry when I mention a movie that's over 30 years old. Because <laughs> I hear ideas. Really? Well, and, and he's like, that movie's 30 years old. That movie's 40 years old. And I'm kind of like, 
I'm not saying I'm not bringing up the movie mm-hmm. to. And I think this is why people think I've I've, I've noticed a lot. I, I bring up a movie that's similar to an idea that someone's done mm-hmm. that's thirty, forty years ago, and I'm like, and I think that they're bringing it up because I'm trying to poo-poo their idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm trying to say you need to look at this movie mm-hmm. and see, and see what they did because the thing is, is the is, is the thing the the originality. There's two things you can do with stories. You can make something super original. Yeah. Or you can do a tried and true story and put your voice on it. And most of the time it's a tried and true right. story with your voice. The super original thing scares people. Mm-hmm. 100%, it scares 100%. the fuck out of them. I mean the Matrix is a classic example because mm-hmm. those guys had from what you who knows what the the true story is on that. But they had written that movie before they did Assassins. Mm. And Assassins was this movie they did with that starred Sylvester Stallone and Antonio Banderas. Mm-hmm. And that was their big thing. And then they, everyone was like, oh, we got to fucking get these guys. And they were like, okay, yeah, we're, we're giving you this because we, we're going to direct The Matrix. And they did The Assassins. I think they did some other rewrites on some stuff and others didn't get made. And they were like, still... And, and Joel Silver who produced The Assassins was like I don't even know what The Matrix is this script I don't even fucking understand it get, go away go away go away and then they were like okay you know what we're gonna do we're gonna do Bound and Bound is a classic film noir mm-hmm. like straight up and down there's gonna be like 10 film noirs you can, you can go look at from the from like 45 to 55 and go oh this this they just took everything from that mm-hmm. the twist was the lead character is not a man it's a woman and it's a lesbian hmm. and it's like that is what made it unique because yeah. it was like oh I haven't seen that version of that story before that's yeah. what I was saying to you last night sometimes it's just a simple flip that, yeah. that makes it so it's, yeah. it could be something that small yeah because yeah, what, what happened because <clears throat> you watch that movie and it's quirky played by, uh, by uh, Gina Gershon mm-hmm. and it's like I've seen this movie Ten times with like Robert Mitchum in it right. ten times, right? <laughs> right? And I love that movie with Robert Mitchum. But when I see it with her in it, I'm a little more interested now because she, it she, feels new. It feels new, but it's mm-hmm. like the things happen a little differently. Like she walks into a gay bar, mm-hmm. not just a bar, mm-hmm. and it becomes like, oh, that's a little different now, right. <laughs> you know. And yeah. because she walks into a bar, there's other lesbians in there who are mad at her about the, about she's got a prison that mm. there's that sexual tension that mm-hmm. if a guy walks into a, a regular bar, a straight guy walks into a, a straight bar, he might see a guy who's the the guy in that bar mm-hmm. is not going to be his ex-lover. Right. You know, right. but that is in that little mm-hmm. scene in Bound. And you're like, okay, now so this has got some mystery going mis- on. There's other right. shit going on in the movie that's become so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, I mean and this and then the move the scene when he meets when she meets when uh Jennifer Tilly, they're in there's another scene you've seen a hundred times. The gangster walks in with his with, with, with his woman into mm-hmm. the elevator, and the lead guy looks at her because she's dressed to the nines. Like, right. oh shit! You've seen it. 100 you know times. they're going to get together. You, you, or something. You've right. seen it a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. when it's the woman looking at another woman, and what's crazy is she looks back and gives her the green light. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> now we see she's in a relationship that she right. doesn't want. But again, you know that because in the film noir, the woman is with the gangster guy mm-hmm. because she because she provides her a good like life like like financial security, mm-hmm. but it's not good for her spiritually. Right. And the same thing, and it's like that's what and that movie came out. 
If you think about it, that's what happened in the movie we saw last night, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. it's like so, so. So Bound came out, came out of like eighty six or something like that, mm-hmm. and like no one was really prepared for that movie. For that type of, I mean, the movie come out now. I think it would still do well. Probably do better now than mm-hmm. it did then, because people are more open to seeing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't even do that well, like financially. Oh. But the, the stylistically, it proved. But it got them, some critical acclaim. Yeah, critically acclaimed, okay. and stylistically, Joel Silver was convinced. You guys know how to direct. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's do this thing you've been pestering me about. Let's do this little movie. Matrix you've been pestering me about. <laughs> awesome. I'm not going to spend a lot of money on it, though. I'm only giving you $50 million. <laughs> I know you want 100 but I'm only giving you 50 Wow. Because what the fuck, y'all? And then y'all fucking became right. you know, b- billionaires and shit. So. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, I, I, yeah, I think with how I've learned to wrap my head around it, because I also get that fear of copying, because um, I've also been, I've done script coverage, and I've seen, I've read scripts that I can, I just look at it, and I can tell they're just trying to push something they saw. Mm-hmm. It just feels so like you just wanted to see it in because you wanted to look cool and you wanted it to be something you saw in this movie you wanted it you know to to recreate it so that always created this fear in me like um of watching things and i've always at first it was a part of me that felt like because when i went to college i was always the kid who they asked why were, why are you here because they asked me have you seen something and I was always like no <laughs> like have you seen Godfather no oh have you God. seen yeah a lot of things don't I hope even, that's changed don't ask me now don't ever say that to anyone ever again I've seen, seen Godfather. Godfather I have I've seen it because everyone when you get bullied enough you, peer pressure makes you do things have you, have you seen the second one don't ask me any more questions. It, oh, just say this, <laughs> the second one. I watched the second one on Netflix the other day. Mm-hmm. It still fucking it's still holds good. up. And what's still brilliant good. is you're watching it, and I'm like, "How far are we into the movie?" Hmm. And I'm thinking maybe we're 20 minutes in, hmm. and we're an hour in because it's so well paced. I'm like, "Fuck!" So these motherfuckers who claim I can't watch movies that are over 30 years old go to hell. I agree. <laughs> I, agree. I just need to be told which ones. I like. I, I, I've heard about Casablanca and I, I read the script. So eventually I saw the movie again. Actually, I started in college, but I started again. And yeah, I just need to be told. I'm, I feel like there's this Chris thing. Chris has lists. Yeah, <laughs> I already know Chris. See, see, see. Let me, let me, let me, let me just, I'm just, just interject. I'm going to interject there. Nobody. This, it's very rare that, that, that someone tells me oh you should see this movie and I've always been that way because I'm so curious about cinema that when I was younger I would just be voracious about what was available mm-hmm. I'd go pick up these books on like, on like cinema criticism and say who's being talked about in this book about certain things I'm gonna watch oh, I'm gonna, oh, oh so I remember I was reading this book by um, Bordwell and Thompson called uh film is art right and, the, and, it, and every chapter kind of breaks on a different aspect of, of film is art you know yeah. I'm, I'm going through it a bunch of times and, I've, and I notice this movie called Eight and a Half is mentioned in every chapter hmm. Eight and a Half and Citizen Kane are mentioned in every chapter so yeah. lighting mm-hmm. costumes makeup performance cinematography camera work directing I'm like 
music. I'm like, okay, why is Eight and a Half and Citizen Kane? And everyone talks about Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, even at that time, you know, Wells had just died and everyone was, he's always showing up and stuff like that. But I was like, but who talked about Eight and a Half? What's what Eight and a Half? And I was like, who's Federico Fellini? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go watch Eight and a Half. Mm-hmm. No one's telling me this. I'm just noticing. Right. right. I go, oh, shit, this guy's amazing. This is the coolest movie that you'll ever see. If you like movies, it's about a guy. This is what's so brilliant about it. It's about a guy. It's usually something simple, too. Yeah, it's really. But this movie is. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. about a filmmaker who has made a successful series of films and is in a kind of an insane asylum slash like weekend getaway, like a you know because he can't come up with his next movie and. His mistress has come. His wife's come. His producers come. It's like come, a his, rehab. His screen. Thing. It's, it's a rehab thing. Right. They're all coming, and you're like, "This is not really a movie," but it is a movie, and it's so fascinating because it's like it's this whole trip through his own life, and you re- and when you find out about it, it's like he had made seven and a half movies, and his last movie, La Dolce Vita, made him this international superstar, mm-hmm. and he didn't know what to do as his eighth movie. Hmm. Eight, and half, eight and a half because he was because he, he did a short yeah and he was like I'm gonna so you know I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this but the story although that's what the story is it's just, it's the story about this autobiographical like like trip down the sky it's life about how we got to where he is hmm. and I was like fuck and the way it's shot it will just blow you away it's like there's scenes when he's in flashback because all black and white in flashback where there's no shadow that's why you know it's in flashback because the scenes are all white hmm. there's, it's, it's, it's just color hmm. I mean not color but there's texture like he might have a black suit on but there's no shadows anywhere and he's like th- and it took a few viewings to get that and I was hmm. like so what, what else I, but then I was like what else did this motherfucker do? Because he, if he's doing this this one time, he has to be. He, you just can't come. Can't. This no, is yeah, right. before yeah. I knew his history. I was like, mm-hmm. he has to. He has to build to this point. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm gonna go back and look at the previous films that he's directed. I want to see how he got here. So I would go back. So I went back and went to the library and got the previous seven films and was like, oh. And watched his growth as a filmmaker, and then and then I was like, now I understand what he's done. And a lot of people might just watch Eight and a Half. They're not going to watch Evie Taloni. They're not going to watch you know the, the other films, and because they're not the ones that are talked about as much. But they're important for to understand how he got to Eight and a Half, how he even got to the Ultra Vita, and and that was and that's my curiosity. Mm-hmm. So so many filmmakers, I'd see a movie that everyone talked about, go what the fuck else did they do? Because I know. This is the thing about craft and about you saying about I don't want to watch stuff. It's it's like I'm it, I don't want to. No, no, no. But 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 it's like the 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 trepidation of of getting ideas that aren't yours put stuck in your head, right? Yeah. The the best example of why of what this is 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 Picasso. I might have said this before on the podcast. I remember Picasso. If you look at his work when he was still in Spain. He was a he mastered the style that everybody was doing that they taught in school. Mm-hmm. He mastered that. So his style had that photorealistic style mm-hmm. of p- painting portraits and painting all this kind of stuff like Velasquez and everything like that. And, and it was just perfect shit. But it wasn't him. He he. But he 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 be color everything color theory everything down. He went to Africa and he saw some African sculptures. And he was like, I'd never seen that before. And, he, and then he combined 
that way of looking at the world, those the, like those three D sculptures, to what he then wanted to paint, which eventually became Cubism, because mm-hmm. he took, but he knew the craft like nobody. If you go look, he could paint almost anything. He could paint anything. Right. If you go back and look at his work before he was Pablo Picasso, right. you'd be like, his work's amazing for mm-hmm. what it is. Because he's just doing what everyone has been taught, but he's at top of his game. He had to break out of like of that. The originality was was only able to come once he had everything else mastered. And I think that's what you have to do as the writer. And that's why you got to look at everything that people have done because there just might be like one thing that you didn't that, that you go, oh, if I do that in mine, so different because everything is different. The setting of blah blah, blah but that transition. Mm-hmm. Or that, you know, whatever it is, that... It could be all those. It could be that moment of dialogue. It could be that that action sequence. It could be... You could pull all those things and be inspired by them to do something in your script. What I was going to say was, um, <clears throat> one of the things that I always talk about, like we talk about a lot on the show about like not having writer's block, right? And the reason for that is because of this exact reason, for me, is... You, you, when you've read thousands of scripts like Chris and I have, you get to a point where there are certain scripts that stand out to you. Sometimes there's scripts people are like, really, that script? Mm. But there's moments in it that just get you, you know? There always are. Yeah. There's always moments. I open up 28 days later, I'm just like, ooh, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just little stupid shit that you would not expect me to enjoy. Yeah. But I'll, I'll just read a passage of a chase scene with the fucking zombies, and I'm like, that makes me want to go write something right now. Yeah. It's yeah. that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Yeah. Little shit like that. So if you if you can find those things, it'll inspire you to whatever um, um, genre you're writing. If you could mm-hmm. find a script in that genre, like Chris was saying, he's writing something that, that has a matrix feel of the world building and all that. So he wants to know how the best people did it mm-hmm. so that he could do his and be inspired by it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not copying their language. I'm not even doing it, but I'm just saying, how I, I'm just looking at their economy and, of language and their diction and certain things that I know. Like, I remember just something that Craig Mazin had talked about. I like, mm-hmm. and we talked about it too, like mm-hmm. how things look on the page. Right. And that's mm-hmm. why I mentioned earlier, I was like, that line where it says, what is the first time it says, what is the matrix? Is at the bottom, bottom. of page. You know what that 10. does? Guess what it does? What, what do you make, think? What does it make you do? Keep reading. No, well, even more. It makes you. It makes you want to turn the page. I got to turn the page now because what, what are you saying to exactly. me? The, he planned that. I'm going to end this at the bottom, bottom of, of page, page 10, yeah. the end of my first sequence. So What's that you, smart? Yeah. You see what I mean? And, it, and you think about it. This is like in 1998 when this right. script was written, or 87. This is pre all this computer mm-hmm. stuff. So you have to look at it. I mean, people weren't reading scripts on the computer that much. So it's a it's a. Physical, it all paper. it's all physical. Right. So that again, like this, you use actually having to turn the page at that point, you know, as opposed to I might scan it on my on my phone or something right. like that. Here's this little quote that I I found that I think is great for everyone you were saying about. It says, "Don't aim for per, for perfection, aim for truth." Hmm. You know, Deep. elaborate, elaborate for the kids. So yeah. So this goes back to what you were saying about you telling your friend, you know, don't need to be original. You know, like don't focus on that, that much. Tell your story. 
because yeah. you can tell your story. That's the truth. When you mentioned that these that you're reading coverage and you're reading scripts, that you're like these guys just wanted to see something that they thought was cool. Yeah. That's not their truth because right. the fact that it stands out of the rest of the script mm-hmm. yeah. means that that means that they were like that that they didn't develop that story from the inside out. Mm-hmm. They're like putting things together, you know. And a, a lot of that has to do with like this quote that Orson Welles used to say about he used to say I hate it when people they tell me that they loved a single shot of my movie from, mm. from my movie mm. because you're not looking at the shots around it the context of why that shot stands out to you right, right, right. is because of how I of where I placed it at a certain time mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I was like yeah that's fucking how it has to be you know, so so, and but when you're reading, it stands out because you do because it's like what the fuck, are you, and that's a that's the bump, you know. So I'd say it's the bump, and it's and it's usually a change in tone. So mm-hmm. something, so for instance, it's a drama, and all of a sudden there's a funny moment. You know, what it could be something really subtle mm-hmm. that that throws you or bumps you is what we call it. You know, it's like wait a minute, why did that character? That's not normal of the character. The character yeah. usually throughout the whole thing they've been an ass on, and all of a sudden they're nice or yeah. whatever. It's it's all kind of different things. It could be, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I. I just to clarify, I actually I've gotten a lot farther. I mean, it took me longer because growing up, I I, I grew up a little differently because I was the kid who um, wanted to watch like Disney Channel and things like that. Um, but I was also the kid who, in fifth grade, read Agatha Christie, and then there were none, mm-hmm. and then liked it so much, I recreated it with me and my friends and this girl <laughs> I had a crush on, and I put her as the one I saved, and then she found it, ran to the girl's bathroom, read it, I thought I was dead. I told my best friend, I'm like, it's over, um, good knowing you. And Which was she, I love before, but it, it, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she came back, and then she threw it in front of me, and she said, keep writing, I want to see what happens next. Really? Yeah, That's and good. I was just like, okay. <laughs> That's a cute story. It's a great yeah. story. It's a great story. That's a great that's, moment that's in a, a movie. Moment too. movie. Well, yeah. it's kind of like that's why I said that you mentioned it. Uh, all the boys I love before, you right. know. It's yeah, such, I love. I saw that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing about what you said. You mentioned you read Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christopher McQuarrie had mentioned to me one time, not me, but he mentioned this thing he was talking about. That was his biggest inspiration for Usual Suspects. Really? Oh, interesting. And you think about the Usual Suspects, all those characters get introduced, mm-hmm. they all get killed. Mm. And who survives? Verbal Kent, the right. only one. It's this, he, was like, he was like, he'd be like, I love that. He's a huge Agatha Christie fan. And he was like, I love the way the twist that she does. I mean, she's one of the masters of giving you those twists. Mm-hmm. And, she was, and he was like, that's what I need to do in Usual Suspects. So that's where it's like, you know, like he was like, I read all her shit all the time, and I need to figure out how, like what's my version of Agatha Christie, mm-hmm. and that's usually the suspects. Yeah, yeah, and and growing up, um, yeah, I was the one who stole my mother's camera all the time, her camcorder, <laughs> and she used to try to hide it, and then I find a new location, and I made my little version of Star Wars with me and my cousins, and I made this <laughs> awesome like poster because I did desktop publishing in high school. But going to film school, I thought, because my mom was actually suggested it too, so you steal my camera all the time, why don't you go to film school mm-hmm. for college? So I went to film school. Where, and I, where did you go? I went to Full Sail University. 
And I loved it there. Like, I remember the first day I was there. I still remember that feeling like this is like the best day of my life. Mm. And it was like Disney World. My dad called it Disney World. Um, And it was great. But back then, I felt like I wasn't, I didn't belong because everyone else was saying you didn't see anything, you didn't read anything, you know, you don't really know anything. But I felt like I knew things, that I had ideas, and I've done things myself because I loved storytelling. Um, now I have learned that mostly because I have mentors now. Mm-hmm. I have people I listen to, podcasts I live to, I have you guys. And now I understand it when back then I was just told that I wasn't enough. Um, I think now I see that I, cause I was trying to find a strength in, I'm trying to find a strength in what I know now. I had to find something to say that I can stay. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why I try to create the thing where I like, let me just make it by myself without any, you know, looking at anything or anyone's help. But I think right now what I've learned is that with what I have, cause I do have something I can now look at other things, not to be scared that I might take, but to, like you said, see what they've done and also see where I am original and see where I am. I do have something and where I might have pulled something Here's from the someone thing, else. Though. Here's the thing that I want you to realize. <clears throat> original is a very interesting word. And Chris was talking about it earlier. It's like almost impossible to be original because right. we've seen everything. And some, some gurus say there's only, what, seven different ways of making a movie anyway. So imagine that. So how are you going to be original within that? Yeah. So what I was thinking was... The word original, I think, is a little overblown. The reason why for me, for instance, if I'm going to write a biopic on the post-Civil War, I'm probably going to read five or six scripts that are like went to the Oscars or went to you know the fucking Golden Globes or whatever that was in that world, just so I could see, oh, so they started on this character. Oh, so they introduced them. Oh, so the battles look like this, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking for inspiration. I'm looking for... What did they do at the end of Act 1? How did they keep them going? What happens at the end? How often do they show the antagonist? I'm looking at all those little... What's the balance of, the, you of, know like, I mean? of, of when people appear on the when people appear on the page? I mean, I was talking with someone about a script that had... There was like a massacre of, of a town going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I didn't... I understood what he was doing, but I felt like you're not engaging me the right way and I was like where have I seen this what he's trying to do because in your head see the thing about filmmaking is is that it's always about like the grammar of it was defined over 100 years ago it's just what are you going to now show me that's about this you and I was like oh there's that scene in Schindler's List when the ghetto gets cleaned out Mm-hmm. And it jumps around through all these different people that you've been watching, you know, like their stories separately. Some people getting like 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 small screen time. Some people getting a lot of screen time, but that scene when they're going through it and, that, and there's that and, that and that little boy is going goodbye Jews, mm-hmm. goodbye Jews, and just mm-hmm. taunting the fuck out of them. I was like, that scene is so horrific, so emotionally powerful, but it's covering this ensemble of characters in a way that. Is 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 a juggling act, mm-hmm. and I was like, he uh, Stephen Zalian did some shit in there that is is remarkable. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna go back and look at that. 
And then I was like, okay, now I see it. But, but then I had to go back and look at those little, the characters who only had two or three pages, two or three scenes earlier in the movie. Mm. I had to go back and look at how he wrote those scenes because he had to give them. Because you had to remember them. He had to remember them, yes. Right. He, had to rem- he had to give them enough cool shit in like half a page that you remembered right. them later on and cared for them. Not just remember them, but mm-hmm. cared for them. So when they get killed or they're hiding and they get the wall shot out and they all die, you're like, if I just show you those people getting killed, it's just a massacre. Right. And at a certain point in that movie, that massacre goes on for about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Then you will, to save your own sanity, you'll get numb because it's so horrific. Right. To, keep you, to keep you in the story is because you're caring for those people. Like, oh, I hope they survive. Mm-hmm. I hope someone survives that I care about. Mm-hmm. And that's why, I mean, to me... You don't have to have watched all the movies. It's just that I feel like the best guy that everyone talks about in the last 20 years, 30 years, who's changed cinema, who is the biggest movie buff, is Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. But if you've seen a lot of movies, like I have, you watch his movies and you pick. You see how inspired he is, and you see where he right. picked. He, right. Oh, this is from this. All this, the Asian this, films. This is from this. This is right. this. This shots from this. 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 But when I was younger, I used to never like that because I was like, uh, "You're not being like. What are you doing? What are you right. doing? That's fucking." But then I realized you did the best black exploitation film ever. <laughs> right. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> All those black exploitation okay. films for what fifteen, uh, eight, nine, right. ten years. He did the best one. Jackie Brown is the best black exploitation film, mm-hmm. but no one, but no one really thinks of it that way. Because he saw all of them, and he and the thing is, he loves those right. movies. He loves Black PlayStation so much, and he was like, "Who the fuck is the star from those who I can bring back?" Okay, look, <laughs> I didn't bring back Fred the Hammer Williamson. Mm-hmm. I didn't bring back fucking you know um, uh, Dolomite mm-hmm. guy. I didn't bring back the dude who played Superfly. I'm gonna bring back Pam Greer because right. coffee and all that shit is so dope, and I love her, and I know how to just take all that shit and say, but I'm not gonna do coffee now. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not gonna do coffee at that time. I'm gonna do coffee if she's older, mm-hmm. and that's why it's it's just genius. Then I realized later on, I was like, "This is his genius. He can take like stuff we've seen and and our and 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 that we're so familiar with the technology with, we have the, now. Yeah, and and, and that that's, it's like, oh, that's not that doesn't sound interesting, and make it, and he makes it his own because his characters are his mm-hmm. there's nobody like any of the characters that he wrote in his movies in any black exploitation movie mm-hmm. or in any or any of those crime movies mm-hmm. but the tropes are the same because all that you really want to that you connect on is the characters and what they say what they go through if it was too original mm-hmm. you might not believe it because there's shit that happens in, 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 in life that you know, we tell a story about someone mm-hmm. we think is crazy and we go, motherfucker, that didn't happen to you. You go, yeah, it did. <laughs> but you believe it because it's your friend telling you or some shit like that. Right. But if you just heard that story like out of context, you might be like, motherfucker, quit lying. <laughs> but he, but that's why you, that's why he has to, I mean, that scene in Pulp Fiction when Sam Jackson says to him, it's the wallet that says bad motherfucker on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that might that's not. A badass that's line. a badass line, <laughs> yeah. but it makes you tell you about his character, right. and, it, and, it, and it makes you go, "Who the fuck would want that?" As the, I mean, it's right. just like you got a gun See, in your face. Actors you, want to play that. They want to play that. Right. They want right. to play that. But so, so that's where 
you know, like his hyper encyclopedic knowledge of cinema has allowed him to say, I can still be be, be so numb because I've seen so much, but my own creativity breathes in what I want to say, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what makes his shit. I mean, he's made nine movies, whatever, ten, nine movies mm-hmm. that are are wholly well maybe Jackie Brown is based on a novel are wholly original but true film buffs can see where everything that he's taken from and it's and it's very apparent and 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 and, and you don't fault him for it cuz why do why should you fault him for it? everything else is a different way of how we, I mean the soundtracks he he uses mm-hmm. are is music that wouldn't be used that way in that type of movie. Right. And all of a sudden now it's got a different swing on it, you know? So. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just nervous. No, no, it just, it, it's, it's a lot. Um, it's, it, in my head, what I'm thinking is, um, one, you have to give me a list of all these movies that I probably already seen, but, should watch again and I'll give you a list of the shit you haven't seen. I'll give you a list of the shit you haven't seen. And if you love and you're like, oh shit, I didn't know this existed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Um Yeah, and and, and I, I I am getting into that now. It's taken I'm older. Um oh, and so old. <laughs> so old guys. But, but I didn't start writing until I was your age. Really? So that's the funny thing. Okay, so I feel better about that. Yeah, but I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell you something. Two, two things about you mentioned your 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 experience at at this film school. Yeah, you know, people were getting on you about what you haven't seen. I usually don't do that to people because I'm like you. You pe- people have their lives, so mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want to do. It's your own passion. But I feel a lot of times for black filmmakers, that's thrown at <laughs> you is like. Where's your papers right. test? Right. Because they're trying to say why you know what's keeping you here. Mm-hmm. You have a story to tell. You have a life that you lived, that you that you've said to miss now. Well, I have a life that's a little different. That's to me is enough. The fact that you recognize that that's enough for, for you to say I can tell stories that are different that are gonna touch you. I mean, the story you would have told us about the girl getting the the Agatha yeah, Christie is great. That's a yeah. story that is emotional as impact. So that's the one thing I think is a, a difficult for a lot of black writers and filmmakers is that you don't you, that you might not have had the exposure to particularly all the white cinema. And the foreign cinema, because this is not part of how we grow up, mm-hmm. and people will, particularly white people, will hit you with that, as if to say, "Where are your papers, slave?" Mm-hmm. Because they're really trying. Because they're saying, "I don't think you should be here because you're black." Because I'm telling you right now, you meet a lot of people, and they say they've seen these movies. Right? They ain't seen they ain't these seen movies. <laughs> You can check them if you want. I'll check motherfuckers. I'll check motherfuckers. <laughs> like, oh, remember, that, remember that part? And they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, that shot when this happened. They were like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I tell people all the time. I tell people all the time. I, I remember one time I was at, uh, you, know, you know, Micah, right? Mm-hmm. I was at his uh, his uh, class. at, at, at uh, it's, He had teaching the class on VR. And we were watching um, The Dirty Dozen. Mm-hmm. He ain't seen it a bunch of times because that's why he brought it in. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what's coming? There's this great shot where the guy gets hung and, and, and we're underneath the, 
the you know the feet, he, the, feet the feet come right at us. It's like it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a overhead shot, but right below. So the, when the guy oh, gets okay, hung, right. he jumps right at the camera, and he's mm-hmm. like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Just watch, just watch." <laughs> and then bam, and he's like, "Boom!" And he so- and it, when it happens, uh-huh. he stops the viewing, and turns to the class, and goes, "See." This is a motherfucker who's seen this movie because he can tell you a shot that even I didn't remember because it's That's so right. quick. Yeah. yeah, you know, but it's such a unique shot. But you see people get hung all the time, right. but never from a. It's always from this angle, from a high or yeah. from a fart or right. like the neck pulling. Mm-hmm. But from the but from below their feet coming feet coming right at the camera. It's only there for like for like half a second because mm-hmm. it's such a brutal shot. Uh, but it, it was memorable to me, right. you know. And that's like, and that's I mean. I don't test people anymore because I don't. It's not, but just let you know, a lot of people, well, a lot of people haven't seen. Particularly people who are in their in their film school age haven't seen a lot of those movies. They just haven't. They you don't have the time to do it. And if you did have the time and spent all the time to do it, then you weren't living your life. So then you really don't have anything to see, to, to yeah. say, to say. I mean, yeah, to, you have to, you have to also remember. I mean, we're in our mid forties. You know, I mean, yeah, we we have a lot longer time to watch. It takes a lot of years to watch these movies. A lot of movies, yeah. and you know I, mean? I mean, and 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 me, like I just happened to have. Not, I mean, we're not just but like I suffered from insomnia when I was in high okay. school. So from like <clears throat> midnight to like three, four in the morning, when I couldn't sleep, I'd watch a movie. And that would be almost every night right. for all three hundred sixty-five days a year you know, for all those years. So you, you, you start yeah. you start watching yeah. shit because it's like yeah, you, you can't even try to compete with that, you know. So, yeah. but but what you can do, and, and this is just the thing that I'll put out to all of us writers who are of color, POC, you know, this includes women and everything. We need, we almost have to be better than our. What do you mean? I almost have to. We well, have to be better. We have to be better. Almost. I was trying to be nice. No, no. We have to be better. <laughs> we have to be better. So, so that's what forces myself and people like Chris and Lisa to to work so hard and have so much more scripts, so much more knowledge in our head. I was telling you last. I was telling them last night. We were coming from the. Um, I was moderating the panel um, at the WGA. writers' guild. What? WGA. I was at the, at the yeah. theater, <clears throat> and we were talking. I was telling them. I says, dude. I'm a very dangerous person. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, I know so much. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because I'm so well-read, so well-versed in all this information that's in my head. You know, and I was telling him, I was like, I could run a show right now. With the right team, I could run a show. You know, I have the resources already. You, you have, know what I mean? have the experience. You have, you have the experience and the resources. I right. think the thing that the, the I have thing, to dumb myself down on my show. Yeah, sometimes. you have. Well, you have. I'm sure you have yeah. to, which I'm sure like you're biting right. your tongue all the time, right. because. But that's the whole thing about executives and writers and people like that is in television thing is is that they're used to people who who, who the the business is built up in television where you have these writers who is which is a, which is, a, which is not a this is a. It's a usually a introverted personality, right. and then they're thrust into being a manager, mm-hmm. and that's, that's where exactly and and, and that's right. that's a very hard leap for someone to do, and the and the executives have seen people fuck that up a lot because it's not it's almost like oxymoronic like uh, personality traits, right. 
But for someone like Hilliard, who has written stuff, this all it's amazing, directed stuff, produced stuff. You know, he's come in and acted as like an assistant on other producers' stuff because he's humble like that. It's like that's the mindset of someone who's not thrown by, hey, we need to get this episode in to the script for the notes, and they're fucking up on the set because he's he's he knows how to juggle that. The person who's just been writing scripts for five years. Might be like, what? What do you want me to do? What? What? I got to sure. do what now? That's what they're always afraid of with, with giving showrunners shots, you know. Mm-hmm. But 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 he, yeah, I mean, and t- you, totally. And and one of the things that that we have, Chris, that that I know you and I have in particular, because we've done both, you know, you have to have a combination of people love to work with you, and a combination of he'll fire you if he has to. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. You yeah. have to. You know, everybody loves me. I'm a really good dude, but you know, I'll fire him up again in a minute. You have to have that. You have to have that tiger (laughs) mentality because they have to be able to respect you. Yeah, Yeah. you know what I mean. And at the same time, you can't coddle someone's feelings at the expense of the project. Yeah. Motherfucker, you got to go because you got to show go. You're, fuck, go you're on, fucking bitch. up everyone's shit. Right. There's seventy yeah. million dollars at that are <laughs> in, in the balance right now right. on on you and your script. Oh right. no, no, you got to go. Right. That's why I feel actually blessed growing up because I may not have watched all the movies, and now that I know this, I can. <laughs> but I, I am to my roommate. I'm the guy who has a story for everything. Mm-hmm. You mentioned like people mention like little things, names. I always have a story connected to it. And I also grew up as an extra since I was like eight years old. Mm -hmm. So I have that on-set experience, and I do love being on set. Um, Now I'm getting writing experience, now I'm watching movies, and I've been... working for producers. Working, yeah, and and, and mentors, I think, is uh, a big thing that's helping me right now, Um, putting myself more out there. Like, to be in this room is, like, every day I walk in this room, I think of how lucky I am to, like, walk through the door. Well, well, let's talk about something interesting. Here's something interesting. We were talking about this last night. A lot of younger writers come here. We talked a lot last night. We did. (laughs) I feel like every time you start, the first thing you say is, we talked about this last night. Like, we talked about a lot last night. (laughs) But you know what I mean, and this is just literally a drive from the from the writers guild <laughs> leaders so to Hollywood sure. House. Okay, yeah, so like I dropped him off at the, at the train, right? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, and I said this: a lot of young writers come here. Say they get an internship or an, or an apprenticeship or an assistant job with some big producer, right? They come here with illusions of grandeur. They're like, "Ooh, I'm going to work with this producer." You know, I'm going to show them my script in like a month or two, and they're going to sell it. And they come here with the wrong reasons. You have to come here with small things. You have to go, let me just get a bite. Oh, I'm answering the phone for him. Oh, what did I learn? Oh, now I learned how to do the calls. I learned how, mm-hmm. to, how to sift through. I, I can sit on, listen to how he does notes. Oh, I get to sit in the pitch meetings. Oh, I get to, all the little things are adding up. And people don't realize that. All that stuff is helping you be a better showrunner. You don't even know it. You just yeah. think, oh, I'm just answering the phone. Oh, I'm just doing this. But it's all plotting and planning for yourself so that when you get somebody, you know how to manage them. It's teaching you how to it's manage, manage, which yeah. is what I'm talking It's so about. important. It's because, right. the, 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 look, every business has management problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what field it is. It's always some, you know, oh, these meetings take too long. You get about all the shit all the time. I mean, like, well, I read a lot of stuff like Fast Company and Business Week, so I'm, I'm aware of what's happening in outside of our industry in terms of what is a problem with, like, 
with, with managing people. Right. And it's the same everywhere. It's like, you know, pe- people don't know how to run meetings right, who are in charge. People don't know how to properly, you know, um, properly, uh, properly chastise their, mm-hmm. their employees for when they fuck up and then properly um, celebrate them when they do something good. Right. Because you have to give, you have to do, do you have to do both well. I mean, like, you know, there's that one, uh, Mark Twain quote It's like You know like I can live For six months Off of one compliment Alone kind of thing You know yeah, yeah. It's like If you just give so, I mean like if, like if someone you really respect Creatively Comes and gives you A compliment Oh lord You're just like Oh <laughs> fuck That's like and it's, and, it's, and it's unexpected It's kind of like You're like Wow Because they didn't They don't have to do that Right They're only doing it And believe me They're not doing it To boost your ego Or to help you out Because They're and not to saying they're cruel or they're egotistical, they're in their own space and mm-hmm. there's so much going on that something that you do pulls them out of their like work has to be good enough for them to be to remark on it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't have. I mean, like, why would you talk about something that was like only okay? Mm-hmm. You know, like just keep going. You know, right. um, and if it's unsolicited, mm-hmm. like if I ask you, can you look at this? That's then you know that's well then they're gonna have to. But that so that's part of what it. But that's the you have to learn that you got to mm-hmm. learn that people yeah, you have like to, live and, and that's what I was telling them is what I've learned is <clears throat> even on and you and I have been in some productions that didn't turn out right right but I always sit back and go okay what did I get from it instead of oh mm-hmm. I'll never work with that person oh fuck that person yada 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 yeah. or but I always go wait a minute but I did get the game that ah. Whenever you order something from the grip truck, you got to remember they're expecting you to pay for such and such. It, it might have been one little, I didn't realize, you know what I mean? But now I know that little right. trick. So right. I'm like, see, that was why I did it. I yeah. needed to learn that. You did, yeah, you, mm-hmm. did, yeah, you, you do. see what I mean? Yeah, there's, there's <clears throat> the, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the game. You're always learning, mm-hmm. and if you feel that you've learned everything, then it's time for you to step, right. because that means your ego is at the point where you're like, "No one can teach me anything." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like I'm always learning stuff. I mean, it, and and what you know, I was telling David Gore the other day. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I, because I'm talking about the Blade thing. I was just telling mm-hmm. him, I was like, "Hey man, we just did the podcast on Blade. I just wanted to. Do, I reread read the script, and I was like, I can't believe how cool it was. Even 20 years later, and there was mm-hmm. shit in there now that I helped me with something I'm doing. I was like, I love learning from the classics because mm-hmm. it's a classic for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's probably what 400 movies came out that year when Blade came out. But that's sticking in my mind. That's sticking in all our minds, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like that's the thing that you. It's just there's, you got to learn everything, and you always want to be learning. I mean, it's like the, you know when the production goes bad, you just. I mean, I I just remember that thing, like thanking everybody, mm-hmm. everybody on the crew. If you're the director, thank everybody before the before you leave the set. I agree with that. Yeah, and if you, you know? can, you should try to know their names. But yeah, if you can. Yeah, yeah if you can. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's you know, hard. Pr- pr- yeah. particularly on a short because right. maybe two days. Right. Like how I got to remember fucking forty names and like so like, and, like and focus on the project. Mm-hmm. But um, it, yeah, I mean, look, look the, the, being the manager will help you in a lot of ways because because even just doing rewrites, mm-hmm. you still have to manage. Essentially, you have to manage the executives mm-hmm. and the producers because they're giving you notes, mm-hmm. you know, and they're expecting, and yes, you're their employee, but you're going to be able to manage the situation right so that they, um, 
respect you, will talk good about you afterwards, and you know, um, and there's and and then there's no there's less arguments like doing the the rewriting process or just right. the whole thing. I mean, there's a friend of mine I saw with somebody the other night, and he was like, his boy, I'm not gonna mention his name, and I'm not gonna mention the movie, mm-hmm. but he wrote. A really, really successful movie, um, and before he turned it in, remember when he turned it in two months late? Who? Who? Is uh, which is which is usually not a good idea. Yeah. it's not a good idea. It's, it's, it's not a good right. idea. Um, and but the, you know, and the movie they, they made the movie. And the movie made huge money, mm-hmm. but during those two months. He didn't talk to them. He avoided their calls. He was afraid wow. to even like return an email because he was like, what, 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 "What can I say? What like what can I say?" They all love the Is draft it because he just wasn't ready. What, what was it? Well, like you know, like he was, you know, I'm hearing the second nature, second hand, but he was kind of mm. like he's always he's insecure about turning in the final work, mm. and he oh, just wanted to no. go over it and over and over and over it. Yeah. But it's like. And there's a lot of and, writers and, and, who have this yeah, issue. But it, this I mean, is nothing new. Nothing new. Right. The mistake is you didn't tell them and you went radio silent. Right. And yeah. it's like the thing is, is that what I learned is if you tell, if you, if you, the best communication with people. Yeah. That's what your agents are for. They mm-hmm. will, he, he was even returning his agents calls like, you know, like about this. Lord. Okay. Oh no, this is a white dude, right? No, it's a black dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a black dude. It's a black Surprise. dude, and he fucked wow. his career. And he fucked his career. Oh, they wow. loved the script, and the script, and the movie made over hundred million dollars. Really? But he didn't work again after that because uh, they were like, "You can't do that to people." Yeah. It's, and it's like he didn't, he didn't know how to manage the situation. Mm-hmm. There was like I remember I remember um, my friend Abdul Williams, mm-hmm. who just had the Bobby Brown thing come out. He told me a long time ago. He was like. If you're gonna you be, see he just signed with ICM. I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. Um, he he told me a long time ago. He was like, because he because he used to be an assistant at Saturday Night Live Pictures for mm-hmm. a long time, about I think two years. And he told me that they'll let you be late if you're if you're in communication with with the producers all the time. Mm-hmm. But the draft better fucking knock better everyone's be ass off. It yeah. needs to be. It just to justify mm-hmm. being late. Yeah, maybe not two months. Like he said, like a, yeah, like he, he a week, said, or week or two, two yeah. week or two. Two months is insane. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I always try to be early, and sometimes yeah. I wish I had an extra, yeah, you know, week or two. Yeah, yeah. But that's but that's that's managing people, and that's that's not you being the manager mm-hmm. as the showrunner or even the producer. But it's like you got to there's the personalities in this business is what destroys careers. Right. It's mm-hmm. not. Um, it's not the work because you see people who do a shitty movie and they get another movie. Right. And honestly, yeah. like, like in your head, you're like, motherfucker, you just cost the studio $300 million. Why are you working again? Why are you working again? $300 million. Gross domestic product of several African countries. You just burned. Mm-hmm. And now you get another job mm-hmm. because they're cool and they come in the room and mm-hmm. fucking make everyone feel excited. I want to be cool. So I think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, 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 I get that and I have been learning because I, it's interesting because how much you have to like learn about yourself. Like, this is such a process where like mm-hmm. you have to know yourself and learn yourself. Because it's so intimidating, and even reading my first script in front of anyone was like, 
shaking. I was like stuttering. Oh, we're both still words. nervous when we do it. Sure. Oh, dude, let me see it right now. Like, it, it's like, coming from it's, you. It's coming. It's it's it's. It, yeah, I'm like. It's, it's okay. So in the like, I do a writers group where we read everyone's pages there in the group. Mm-hmm. You know, so you maybe read 10, 15 pages or something like that. And these people that I've been with for like two years, I've hung out with them a lot. I'm good friends with all of them. I feel comfortable calling them about anything. I'm still always shaking when it's time to read my pages. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like, fuck, because I like, do it right. <laughs> Are they going to even think it's cool? Are right. they going to... And, and that's, that was the writer you're talking about. That was his issue. You, you almost never, never get over it. You, you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You honestly can't because it's... it's <sighs> Because if you did it right, mm-hmm. if you did the writing right, you've put you on the page. Right. Yeah. And who is it like John August or Craig? One of them, like, they don't even watch their movies. Like, they can't even watch themselves. There's a lot of people <laughs> you know who don't watch their movies. They can't even watch their movies. I mean, how do you get to that point? You yeah. know? There's so, a lot of. Uh, I mean, there's I mean, tons. There's, there's, actors, tons. there's actors who don't watch their performances. Right. There's directors who don't yeah, watch their work anymore. Yeah. After they, I mean, like, after that premiere, they're like, I don't want to see yeah. it ever again. They've seen it so many times, especially yeah. the director. They're just yeah. done. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, yeah. And, 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 and most of the time they've seen it, they've just seen it with them and the editor and maybe a couple other people. But when the main audience is there, you don't want to be around. You don't but, uh, to be around any of it. You just, it's just yeah. it's scary. It's really scary. I heard Franco did that, James Franco. Mm-hmm. I think it was at Arclight when I was working there. He sat in the audience. Yeah, uh, Disaster artists. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, to see who, how they felt about it. It's stuff. hard. It's hard. There yeah. was, I mean, there's always a story. That there's, there was that story that Hitchcock wasn't in the premiere of Psycho. Mm. He, stood in the, he stood in the lobby. Mm. And because he knew the movie so well, he was like, okay, as a watch, he was like, okay, they should scream now. <laughs> and they would. Yeah. They might laugh now because he, funny. you know, it's so precise, but he wasn't in the actual theater. Hmm. It's too much. It's way too much. Well, how long does it take? Uh, because I also love things that are very purposeful, like a uh, pilot that I read, um, Billions. Mm-hmm. I loved great it love, because. Billions. Great pilot. I loved wow. it. Um, there was a scene in there that I loved too that they took out, but I just loved it inside the pilot where um, he's at his son's basketball game mm-hmm. and they are discussing, I think, they're discussing some market and they, these two guys are trying to offer him, I don't remember what it was, but the part that stuck out was when his son got called a foul on, he got called foul and the coach was like cussing out this young kid who was the referee and it was like his first time. And he walks over there and he tells... Axel Foley. Not yeah, Axel, Ax, Axelrod. Yeah, Axelrod. Bobby Axelrod. Bobby Axelrod. Okay. And I love also that in the script, they put his name Ax. Right. And I, I feel like that gave it a more personable feel. It does. Remember I said they give, never give called your him character that in the show. Yeah. Give him an ism. Look, look, look. I mean, that's some, we talk about that too in terms of craft and stuff like that. That's so important. Like naming names... People don't even know how important names are. In uh, movies. I love my names. They, I mean, it's like like I work on a pilot, and uh, it's, you know, it's this it's this world that people haven't seen before, but but everyone's familiar with. And I gave it to my friend Cole to read, and he was like, you know, this is. And I've told him too about. He came back to me. He said, "Your character's name is this. It was Eddie, mm-hmm. you know." And he was like, "It's a cool name. It works." But not for this world, and right. it doesn't make yeah. him, and it doesn't make him sound smart. Hmm. And he should, and he's smart in the piece, but because he's not even going by Edwards, yeah. just Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie, you know. And I was like, yeah, because that's, 
I'm trying to just trying to make him more personable mm-hmm. is the way for the audience to attach to this guy. He's like, that's that's good, but it doesn't work. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I have a character in my pilot right now who is smart. He is like has this observant, mm-hmm. smart, compassionate way about him, and. Because I loved how they did Bobby Axe for Ron and that they called him Axe in the script, which I don't actually think any character ever actually calls him Axe. They call him Mr. Axelrod or his wife, I think, calls him Bobby. Like, I, think, I, I, I don't know if anyone I, actually I, I think his one... And it is in the pilot. Yeah, I think... Because I've read the pilot recently. Yeah, and I've watched all of them. Um, I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I, yeah, I, I don't I, think, I think anyone his, calls him I think him his right-hand man maybe calls him Axe. That one guy, that, that older guy with the yeah, curly yeah, yeah, hair. Yeah. But he'd be the only one. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it makes you feel like you have an inside feel. Mm-hmm. And my, but my character's smart. And I, I, I did, when I saw that, because when I first read it and did a table read for it, um, the actor that I uh, got to do it, um, he played it so villainous. Like, he had this dark villainous voice. And I'm like... No, he's he's he has a compassion to him. He's doing things the way he thinks is right, but there's a compassion there. He's not someone who's out to get everyone. Mm. So I was thinking, like, but to give him a nickname, but I'm scared that that nickname might well, okay, like, so are, makes are, him dumb and dumb. But that's why you're go ahead, you finish your. All right, so 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 let's just, so let's talk about that in, in billions. So his name is Bobby Axelrod. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't even say Robert Bobby Axelrod. It's right. it says Bobby Axelrod, mm-hmm. and they call him Axe. And the thing is, is that I forget the guy's name who plays him, but I love him. Uh, Toby Damien Damien. Oh, the actor, yeah, the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's so I was thinking about his friends. Yeah, he thing. yeah he's so. Um, He's very charming as an actor. Yeah. And it's like the fact that his name is Axe, it's like it's a uh, it's a duality to what's going on. Right. You're like, you know what? He's gonna cut yeah. you. Mm-hmm. He's gonna yeah. cut you really hard when necessary. Yeah. You know, no, so he chop, you. Chop, yeah, you gotta chop you down at the <laughs> so, knees yeah. and shit. Oh shit, I'm done. <laughs> Some scene out of misery or some shit like that, yeah, you know. Yeah. But it's like that's what you gotta think about like what's his nickname gonna be? You know, yeah. and the nickname. See, the thing is, is that his nickname doesn't have to be the diminutive of his real name. Which I did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like that's what I did. His name is Edward so and so, but I was just Eddie. <laughs> but some people don't have that. Like, their nickname is something else that they've right. developed, and that's actually cool to do. Because then you can give someone a story as to how they got that name, right. and mm-hmm. and maybe not in the pilot. Or maybe, but but you could do it in the pilot because then it will tell you something about because then it could, it can tell you some big trait about that character that the character doesn't have to tell you. Someone else mm-hmm. is telling you that's how we got that name, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Fuck that!" And it's mm-hmm. exposition, but it's great exposition because they'll tell you because they're telling you a story, like like you know, like he jumped out that window and saved that kid and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and that's yeah. how we call him Spider Man, right? You know, oh sure. fuck shit, you know. Exactly. So now it t- now it's a visual story, and we get a sense of like this guy's selflessness and, he, and, and and it also gives you a sense of his the people who are his close friends they know that yeah so they're the ones who respond to it. everybody else calls him Mr. Axelrod yeah you know what I mean yeah for example yeah yeah um, yeah and actually I actually had a question about craft mm-hmm. back I'm bringing it all the way back to the beginning um because we were talking about the first ten pages and that and the, ten, the oh you had just something you was gonna read yeah you had some eight point thing oh coming. yeah okay so uh, real, yeah. real, real quick so yeah. um, Kurt Vonnegut has these eight points 
about like writing a short story mm-hmm. that I that apply to everything. Yeah, I mean, well, I take out a lot screenplays because it's it's novel length, but it's not novel length in a sense. But here it goes. N- number one, use the time of a total stranger in such a way that he or she feels he's not wasted the, uh, their time. Two, give the reader at least one character he or she can root for. Three, every character should want something, even if it's only a glass of water. (laughs) Four, every every sentence must do two things, reveal character or advance the action. Five, start as close as possible to the end. Mm -hmm. Six, be a sadist. No matter how sweet and innocent your, your leading characters are, make awful things happen to them in order that the reader may see what they're made of. Seven, write just to please one person. If you open a window to make love to the world, so to speak, then your story will get pneumonia. Mm. Eight, uh, give your readers as much information as possible as soon as possible. To heck with suspense. Readers should have such complete understanding of what is going on, uh, where and why, that they can finish story. They can finish the story themselves. Should cockroaches eat the last few pages? So here's what I was thinking. That's very specific. That was really good. <laughs> that was great. what I was thinking. We could do. We should do one more like short episode, and let's just go over each and every one of those and talk. About I would like that. Okay, you game with that? Okay, I'm game. All I'm right, game. Then let's do that. So yeah, that'll be in another episode. We'll do that in the next episode for y'all. Um, good episode. That was a good episode on craft. We we, yeah. need, we definitely need to be doing more craft show. We have we've been slipping on a little bit talking about <laughs> fucking shit in the world. Exactly. <laughs> Boost Riley and, exactly. and, uh, and Black Panther's Quest. Which y'all a lot of see. shit going on. It though. looks dope though. Oh, God, it, right. I mean, it looks. I yeah. mean, like Jeff. Shout out to Jeffrey Thorne. Like Jeff should feel fucking badge. That's a good badge yeah. to have. You know. Yeah. yeah. The thing I love about Jeff is just I just met him um, and being in the room with him. Like, I looked at him and I was like, that's how, that's my goal. Like, the way he talks about his craft, like, and you I like, can do that. The yeah. It's the like, confidence. I know who I am yeah. and I can do that. Like, like let's do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I look at him and I'm like, that's, that's the way I want to, like, come off, like, right. to anyone, to everyone, like, this. And that's why I, it's good to have, like, mentors. Mentors have been helping me mm-hmm. a lot and just be in a room with him. Yeah. So that's why I'm excited to see Black Panther's Quest. I've, no idea You know I'm not a comic book guy I didn't grow up in comic books But just how he talks about it I'm like Well the thing about Jeff That I love is, is that He's confident But not cocky or arrogant Yeah he, Cause he's like I, I can deliver What I tell you I'm delivering mm-hmm. you He's know? a gladiator <laughs> And it's <laughs> like and You know what <laughs> And And I think you're gonna be surprised mm-hmm. You know, he's not boasting like I wrote the fucking next Princess Mononoke or Akira, mm-hmm. but I wrote some good ass shit that's gonna fucking make you guys go wow. Yeah. And he's from what we've seen, the clips and shit, it looks like he's you know, like uh, it's like he always says, I've come to play. Right. Have you come to play? Yeah. And the and, 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 and he very much makes that a reality in how he presents himself. Because if he didn't I think that the way he always talks about it. again, he's a big black guy. Mm-hmm. You know, if if he if he came across more soft spoken, the way he can be when he's just around us joking around, mm-hmm. um, you might be. There's a big chance you can question his his abilities. Yeah. Yes, and if he came across too aggressive, 
Then you'd be like, too much. I don't know if I can have you around, man. <laughs> angry shit. black man. You're exactly. like six three, and you could just your hand could just pop out. Shut <laughs> 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 up. That's not him, you know. But that's what white people might think, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that's a big thing I'm dealing with, especially as a young writer, is that that in between of I don't want to appear cocky or step over. Especially me personally, because mm-hmm. I tell people all the time I'm brilliant. It's because I know I'm a storyteller and I can come up with things top of my head like nothing. And I even uh, ran for a, a while my own improv class. Mm-hmm. And that actually even helped me hone the skill of coming up with stories. Because if the actors aren't getting it, I'm like, okay, so what actually happened is that you slept with his sister and you didn't tell him and he knows. Boom, go. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's this it's this middle ground I, I'm trying to develop, and I guess college kind of molded, kind of pushed me back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's it's I just love I, I'm trying to build that with with, with my young face because I'm twenty. To me, to me, that comes with with. I mean, we'll wrap this up. It yeah. comes it comes with with confidence. You know, like um, earlier in my career. Like, you know, everybody, you know, shits on, you know, all the, 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 the competitions, right? Mm. I did them for my own reasons. You know, my reasons was I needed to know that out of 3,000 people, I fucking won. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I needed to know that I was at least at some level at whatever level it was. So whether I made it to Sundance or Nichols or, you know, whatever one it was, Cryptopalooza, I just needed to know, okay, I'm a finalist. Oh, it still needs a little bit more work. Oh, I'm a semi-finalist. Oh, it needed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I did that for myself. So, but what it did was give me confidence. It helped my ego, you know, especially if you didn't know somebody who could give you the ego, you needed to get it from somewhere else. Yeah. So for me, that's why at least, you know, 15 years ago when I was doing that, it was, it was a good thing for yeah, me. Yeah, there's a certain, amount of, <clears throat> a certain amount of external validation that you have to have. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're delusional. Because ultimately you give, you're given work out that people have to read and re- and understand and respond mm-hmm. to, and you don't know that if it's if it's if it's if you're working on all cylinders unless people read it. And the thing is, is that either a contest, you know, three thousand people apply, and you get in the top three or something like that. That's a really high bar to get over because who, the 10 people who are reading or 20 people are reading you know they're reading a lot of scripts and the thing that people will tell you what's her name like Carol Kirshner was, I was always talking we should, we should get her on the show I, think I, I, I keep talking to her about it I, yeah. um, I, I see her too is yeah. that she, she would tell me one time she said look of everyone in Hollywood who thinks they're a solid writer she was like and even no she said here at the Writers Guild mm-hmm. Eighty-five percent of you are writing mediocre work. Right. It's only fifteen percent of you that are writing work. This is people in the writers' guild mm-hmm. that is getting you know like you to the next level. Right. You know, and it's like, and you don't know where you fall mm. in the eighty-five or in the fifteen mm-hmm. until you have someone else read it. So yeah. that's what that's about, right. and 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 that will give you the confidence. Yeah. I went through that most recently. You just write something, and then people respond mm-hmm. in a way that you're like. I don't know if they're going to respond that way. I like this script. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah. But then when other people who are way above me were like, oh, you, did, you wrote your ass off, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, good. 
Some people it's, tweeted yeah. that it was their favorite yeah. script of the year. You're like, okay, good. You fucking, it's just, <laughs> right. it, it, exactly. it boosts you. You feel like, oh shit, I, I didn't know. I can so, do this, yeah. Exactly. So on that note, where you at, Justani? I am on a lot of things. I'm on Twitter as Justani Drew, spelled J-E-S as in Sam, A-N as in Nancy, I, last name Drew as in Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I am, that's exactly how I say it yeah, to everyone, everything. Right. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Visionary Alignment. That's because that's that explains me all in a bubble, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's and then I'm on Facebook. So yeah, uh-huh. where you at, Chris Derek? I am uh, at unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. All right, yeah. yeah. Website will be up tomorrow or two days. So <laughs> he's only cool. been saying it for three months now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm lost cool. everything. I lost <laughs> fucking like six years of material. Oh so, my god, so I can't even um, imagine. So um, the beginning. Anyway, it'll be funny. up soon, and I'll let you know what it is again. That's what's up. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, ScreenwritersRR, on Twitter. <clears throat> Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, you can find us again on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all that shit. Um, please follow our new... Patreon, Patreon page, please. There are some people on there who've given uh, in the last month, so we'll, so we'll get you shout outs on the Absolutely. next episode. Yeah, let me know so we can we can blast them. Um, and uh, ah, so much shit going on. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good. I have to tell you about this big pitch meeting me and Pamela just did the other she day. She was telling me a little bit, it so I'm good, excited to hear. I'm excited to hear. Um, anyway, so things are good, and um, you know, everybody have a great weekend, and everybody joining me for Black Panther's Quest. So y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Black, Black Panther's, Panthers Quest. Quest. Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business Got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.